An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. I give you Super Train. Episode 421, mission number 874, Second Chance. This is the second show of that title to air on Fox, wholly unrelated to the first show from 1987 that we covered on a previous episode. This show aired from December 25th, 2015 to March 25th, 2016 for 11 episodes. So wait, we can officially say it's from 2015? I will get to that momentarily. But in the meantime, those 11 episodes are five less than the number of episodes in Uncle Croc's Block, The Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show, Schooled J.J. Starbuck, the number of aired episodes of Salvage One, and what's the one that we added last week? Don't Tell Me, Don't Tell Me, Don't Tell Me, Misfits of Science, and thanks to friend of the show Josh Henninger, we got two more we can add, Tiger King and Little Bush. So Little Bush had a crock block. Tiger King, Little Bush had a crock block. Misfits of Science had a crock block. Yeah. So we have, I think at this point, seven, eight shows that ran a crock block. And, right. and also, please remember keeping this current with what's going on in the news. The United States has not had a Speaker of the House for an entire crock block. The conversion rate from mooch spans to crock blocks, there are 16 mooch spans in 11 crock blocks. There's a 16 to 11 ratio there. You're welcome, folks. Like I said back in January, we should nominate the Whammy for Speaker of the House. I'd vote for him. I will raise your taxes! Oh, I sound just like Jim Jordan. <laughs> Bye-bye! Damn, Whammy getting controversial there. Didn't know he was a Republican. Oh, he is red. That makes sense. He's red and he takes your money. Just like a Republican. There you go. Give us some theme music. Does this show even have theme music? Probably. We'll create theme music if we have to. Okay. He... I'll go to Chad GPT and say, wait a theme song. No, second no. chance in 2016. Okay. Oh, I'll make your theme music right here. It's about a guy who died, and now he's back to life in another body. It's a second chance. I gotta go back. Back to yesterday somehow. I gotta go back. I have to find the theme music to this show. Oh, my God. No, you don't have to find the theme music to this show. That was great what Greg just did. He sort of started with his own creative take on it, and then swerved into Second Chance from 1987. Oh, that was lovely. I that was love better it. than the joke we had planned. <laughs> In 1815, Mary Shelley traveled through Europe and stopped in Gernsheim, Germany, 11 miles from storied Frankenstein Castle, where two centuries before, a mad scientist allegedly engaged in questionable experiments. Another trip to Geneva, Switzerland would lead to gothic and galvanist themes that would be incorporated in a story that she wrote for a competition 
to write the best horror story. Her vision of a scientist who created sentient life and was horrified by what he had made has become the legendary novel Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus in 1818. 123 years later, James Whale would create a film adaptation for Universal Studios that would lay the groundwork for what we would regard in pop culture as Frankenstein's monster, a creature created by the various parts of cadavers and brought to life by a bolt of electricity. Fast forward to 2015, where Fox, still forming its fall schedule, has one whole remaining Wednesday at 9 p.m. between half-seasons of the hit series Empire and Leading Out of American Idol, which, by that time, was not the phenomenon that it once was. I couldn't even tell you who won American Idol in 2015. Guess who's going to Wikipedia right now? (laughs) He's going to try and figure out who won American Idol in 2015. Okay, so this would be season 15, the farewell season. This was billed as the farewell season. All the judges for this season were Harry Connick Jr., Jennifer Lopez, and Keith Urban. So who won? Trent Horman was the winner. Who that be? I don't know. Some guy? Some guy. This serves to prove the point that I made a few minutes ago. American Idol, not the phenomenon it once was. Rand Ravitch, who wrote The Astronaut's Wife in 1999 and produced Confessions of a Dangerous Mind in 2002, was finishing work on a future entry, Crisis, for NBC, when he was writing a pilot for a project called Frankenstein. Instead of a gothic European castle, though, the show would take place in Los Angeles with the following pretense. A corrupt 75-year-old sheriff by the name of Jimmy Pritchard is killed defending his son Duval's home from criminals. He's brought back to life in secret by tech firm Looking Glass under billionaire twins Otto and Mary Goodwin in the body of a 35-year-old with superhuman strength. A blend of science fiction and crime procedural, Fox bought the series and slotted it for mid-season with the title The Frankenstein Code. Later that summer, they changed the title to Looking Glass before finally settling on the title Second Chance. One month before its premiere online and on demand, so that would be November because it premiered online and on demand on December 25th. But it premiered on January 13th, 2016 on TV. Right. So this is what I want to mention. This officially is the first show we've covered. That started in 2016. That online on-demand premiere basically testing the waters for release in January. And by the way, they did make a couple other changes to the uh, show proper. The setting was changed from Los Angeles to Seattle in line with that area being home to your regular average tech billionaires. And also to account for the fact that most of the show was shot in Canada. A because that's how you make money in 2016. You shoot your sitcoms in Los Angeles, and you shoot your procedural dramas in Canada. What do you need to save on if you're shooting in Canada, Jimmy Walker? Money! Let's talk about who had their chance on Second Chance. 
playing Jimmy Pritchard, the 75-year-old trapped in a 35-year-old's body, is Robert Kaczynski. He's a British actor who is known for being Chuck Hansen in Pacific Rim. He was also the Don, a biker in Captain Marvel, and Orgrim in Warcraft. Robert Kaczynski, doesn't he coach the Cleveland Browns, Mike? That's Kevin Stefanski, you knucklehead. Or are you talking about former Browns coach Rob Chudzinski? But he would spend the lion's share of his career in 264 episodes of EastEnders. Playing the twins, Otto and Mary Goodwin, are Adir Kalyan and Deshad Vatsaria. Adir Kalyan, you'd remember him as the Indian fellow on later seasons of Rules of Engagement who functioned as David Spade's best, some would argue his only friend, but he was also in the United States of Al as Al. I remember that somewhat. We may cover it in a future entry. Who knows? Dilshad Vatsaria, you'd remember her for 74 episodes of Greek as Rebecca Logan. She was also in eight episodes of Cloak and Dagger as Leah Dewan. And when we say Cloak and Dagger, we mean the Marvel series on Freeform, not the movie with Henry Thomas and Dabney Coleman. Damn, I'm disappointed now. You know how much I love that movie. I loved it as a kid. Playing Duval Pritchard, Jimmy's son, an FBI agent, is Tim Decay, who is best known for five seasons of White Collar. He was also in Swordfish in 2001, Get Smart in 2008, and he played some sort of federale in both of them. Now, hold on a second. You said Swordfish, which, in my opinion, is the absolute best work Halle Berry has ever done. This is not even something you can argue. Thank you very much. I know why. Did I mention he was also in Oppenheimer this year? Oh, Oppenheimer. So this is actually the first time we've ever mentioned either Barbie or Oppenheimer on this podcast. And if I have my way, it's going to be the last time we mention Barbie. Not or Oppenheimer. I want to talk about Oppenheimer. But Barbie, no. We're not going to talk about Barbie again. Over my dead body. I shouldn't say that. But still, executive decision made. I'm sorry. Looks like a stupid movie. That's oh the joke. That's not a joke, though. It's, it looks like a stupid movie. Yeah, it is the joke. That's why it's so good. Because it's so self-aware. Stupid does not equal self-aware. Just saying. Playing his daughter, that's Duval's daughter, Gracie. And Jimmy's granddaughter, Sierra Bravo. You probably remember her best for her work on Big Time Rush on Nickelodeon and any other Nickelodeon project that involves somebody that Jeanette McCurdy refers to as the creator. And we shall refer to him as the creator. Playing Alexa, Mary's assistant, is Vanessa Lenges, a.k.a. that Canadian girl from that thing. Of course, 
she was in waiting with somebody that we're going to talk about in 2024. That's all I'll say about that. But she was also in American Dreams, the sort of reboot season of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Not the reboot that, you know, aired like three or four years ago, but oh, the reboot season of Are You Afraid reboot. of the Dark? Yeah, the reboot season. I remember the reboot season. And she was in 26 episodes of Glee from 2011 to 2015. And, Greg, I finally get to say it on this podcast. She was in future entry Turner and Hooch. Oh, the Disney Plus Turner and Hooch. And rounding out the cast as the voice of Arthur, the computer that the Goodwins work on, Scott Menville. Great actor. He was in Full House. He was in The Parenthood. But you probably remember him best as Robin, the boy wonder on Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. Now, there are recurring players as well. We have Philip Baker Hall as old Jimmy Pritchard. He was best known for his collaborations with Paul Thomas Anderson. Then we have Amanda Detmer. She played an almost nun in one movie, but I do not remember what that movie is. Adon Kanto as Connor Graff, best known as A.J. Menendez in future entry Blood and Oil. And he also played Sunspot in Days of Future Past from 2014. And Diana Bang, who played Emma Peng. She played Park Sukian in The Interview from 2014. Oh, The Interview. But is better known for roles in The Astronauts, Why the Last Man, and most recently, Resident Alien. What the hell is Resident Alien? It's Alan Tudyk playing an alien who missioned with the... Uh, task of destroying mankind sort of went native oh okay all you had to do was mention alan tudyk and i must be like yeah okay so let's talk about the wily adventures of this wily pack of science fiction crime scene investigators why did i say crime scene investigators anyway episode one a suitable donor Jimmy Pritchard is a 75-year-old former sheriff who was disgraced for fabricating evidence, something he justified as necessary to protect his town, and has a tense relationship with his son Duval, an FBI agent. After being murdered by men who broke into his son's home, he secretly resorts to life, youth, and even given superhuman strength by the genius tech billionaire twins Otto and Mary, the founders of Looking Glass. After realizing what happened to him, he runs away, still under the twins' constant surveillance. When he recognizes one of his murderers as his son's FBI partner, John Strayburn, he goes to warn Duval, but has to return to his tank to stay alive. Mary starts receiving cells from Jimmy to fight her cancer and helps him by compiling evidence about John, which Jimmy hands to Duval the next time he is out of the tank. Duval is kidnapped after notifying his corrupt chief about John, and Jimmy is able to save his son just before it's tank time again. Yeah, he has youth and superhuman strength, but he has to spend any time not working in a tank, lest he loses both youth and superhuman strength. Well, that sucks. Hey, you know what else sucks? 
Who? The special guest we have on this episode, the name guest, I should say, playing himself, Pierce Morgan. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Let me just say, the Sinead O'Connor diss that you had me read, Chico, of Pierce Morgan was the funniest thing I ever read. I was dying while reading that. Episode two. One more notch. Due to the power surge that Marionado caused in bringing Pritchard back to life, two notorious murderers escaped from prison. Oh boy. Still determined that this is his city to protect, Pritchard goes on the hunt for them, and Mary, who believes she's partially responsible for the fugitive's escape, offers assistance. Meanwhile, in order to win Duval's trust, Pritchard tells him they're half-brothers. Yeah, because it's going to be really weird if he tells him, yeah, I'm your dad. I look the same age as you. No real guest stars, but check out who directed the episode. Oh! Timothy Busfield from 30-something and Future Entry Studios 60 on the Sunset Strip. But remember, let's be honest, he didn't see all those ghosts on the baseball diamond in Field of Dreams. Just walked right in during the middle of a game. Episode 3, From Darkness, The Sun. Pritchard tries to prove to Duval that he was a better police officer and man than his son ever knew. Meanwhile, he and Duval go up against a deadly psycho and another father-son duo that is out to cause trouble. Looking at these episodes, it looks like name guests are few and far between. I'm guessing that the Piers Morgan was, hey, first episode... Let's get him on there. A name person. People will watch. Nope. Episode four. Admissions. A case from the past comes back into play as Pritchard and Duval investigate a series of murders involving young prodigies. As the investigation unravels, Duval comes to terms with the possibility that Pritchard could be his father reincarnated. Episode five. Scratch that glitch. Mary's life is in danger when a Deadpool predicts her death for the same day as an important looking glass product launch. Meanwhile, when Pritchard is needed the most, he fails to show up and winds up in the hospital after a near-fatal brawl. After Pritchard's hospitalization, Otto begins to find glitches in Pritchard's code that might not only drastically change Pritchard, but Mary as well. Ooh. This whole Frankenstein code thing. Trying to cure cancer from Mary's side, it looks like. Episode 6. Halfway through the series. Palimpsest. A killer that mangles his victims beyond recognition is on the loose. Meanwhile, Otto becomes jealous of the growing bond between Pritchard and his sister and considers finding another donor and we do have a name in this episode playing george somebody we mentioned not that long ago francis x mccarthy we mentioned him most recently in the slap maxwell story but also he was on an episode of magruder and loud episode seven that time in the car 
Duval's sister is dating Wally, a parole officer whom she's known since high school. Pritchett never liked him and must hide his distrust. However, he and Duval discover Wally is involved in a possible prison break. Playing Wally, Breckenmeyer. You mean future? It was a thing on TV. Hall of Famer Breckenmeyer. I do mean future. It was a thing on TV. Hall of Famer Breckenmeyer. You know he was almost in previous entry coupling, but he quit, and Chris Moynihan stepped in to his role. Well, that's probably a good thing. Meanwhile, much to the chagrin of Pritchard and Duval, they discover Wally is being coerced by a prisoner to carry out an elaborate prison break and must team up with Wally to stop the prisoner from carrying out his grand plans. And Alexa speaks out to Mary about her distrust of Pritchard and Otto mourns the anniversary of his parents' death. This is where things get really, really real. Or really, really weird. Episode 8. May Old Acquaintance be forgot. Pritchard's past comes back to haunt him. 20 years ago, Pritchard covered up a murder committed by a drug lord's girlfriend, who happened to be his confidential informant at the time. Instead of staying on the right side of the law after Pritchard helped her elude the crime, 20 years later, she's turned into a major drug lord herself. Didn't see that one coming, did ya? A couple of names on this episode. A minor name playing a guy named Lenny is Leonard Roberts. He was in Drumline, American Sniper, Savages, and 17 episodes of Heroes. Currently, he can be seen in Disney Plus's slash Hulu's Goosebumps. And playing Joanne Solidar, or Joan Solidar, Madshin Amik. Oh, yes. You want to talk about a low-key Hall of Fame case? There you go. Let's not bury the lead, Chica. She was Shelly on Twin Peaks. Episode 9. When you have to go there, they have to take you in. Pritchard and Duval join forces to track down a serial killer, and Alexa and Connor try to procure key technology from Looking Glass. Meanwhile, the bond between Mary and Pritchard has grown stronger, but Otto goes to great lengths to make sure Mary never leaves him, and Gracie suspects there's more to Pritchard than what he has told her. Francis X. McCarthy returns as George. Episode 10, Gevorfenheit. Pritchard and Duval continue to investigate who Albert Lynn really is, who created him, and try to uncover how he's involved in a string of murders. The investigation drives a wedge between Mary and Otto, and Otto must choose if he will betray Mary and undo everything they have built. Albert Lin is played by a gentleman by the name of Paul Cheng, a Taiwanese-Canadian actor from that Taiwanese-Canadian thing. But, Greg, you would remember him as Scoutmaster Kevin Osaka Thug. In Deadpool 2. Okay. He is known most notably as a stuntman. And finally, wow, we're to the last episode already. Gelassenheit. 
Pritchard and Duval race against the clock to save Gracie from Connor and Otto's life-threatening experiment. But time is quickly running out for Pritchard as well, since there's no tank in which he can regenerate. Meanwhile, Mary, with the help of Alexa, does everything she can to try and unlock the code to save Pritchard's life before it's too late. And Otto wrestles with his conscience and the decisions he's made that have changed his life forever. And that's the show, everybody. So, let's ask the question. What happened? Well, the show seemed like it was doomed from the start. Being a mid-season replacement show, Fox only had so much money in the programming coffers, right? Before the first episode ever aired, the order for 13 episodes was reduced by 2 to 11. And according to Nelly Andreeva of Deadline, the network indicated that the move was made due to scheduling needs because Fox had two other sci-fi dramas lined up for the season, Lucifer and a reboot of The X-Files. That's right, I forgot about The X-Files reboot around this time. Now, the show itself, when it aired, it was mid. Metacritic has it as a 47 out of 100 based on 18 reviews, and Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 30% based on 27 with an average rating of 4.2. The consensus reads... Second Chance boasts a few interesting ideas in Robert Kaczynski's game performance, but there aren't enough functioning parts in what's ultimately yet another mediocre take on the Frankenstein myth. The show itself premiered to much fanfare on January 13, 2016 to a 2.9 rating and a 5 share out of American Idol's 5.9 and 10 share, good for fourth behind CBS's Criminal Minds, NBC's Law & Order SVU, and ABC's Modern Family Blackish 1-2. A decent rating to be sure, but perhaps not enough to justify the cost of making the show. The show would air another Wednesday episode to decreased ratings before the network decided to trade places with Hell's Kitchen, moving the show to the Friday 9pm Dead Zone. It's did not bear any better opposite Hawaii Five O, Shark Tank, or Grimm. And from then, it's only a matter of time before the run-up to the finish line that no self-respecting TV show wants to cross. Fox did not pick up a second season for 2016. Let me add briefly the review of Second Chance on RogerEbert.com. Now, mind you, Roger Ebert did not write this. He would have been deceased at this point. This is written by Brian Tallarico. I'm just going to read the headline. Fox's second chance is depressingly awful. You don't hear that too often regarding TV shows. Depressingly awful. And reading through the review real fast, the writer of this, Mr. Tallarico, mentions it's shocking that a show with so much talent involved in 2016 could be that ineffective, that inept, and that awful. And he mentions... It's one of those projects that one truly hopes gets canceled soon, not to hurt the careers of anyone involved in any way, but so that they can move on to better things. That's a damning statement. Cancel the show so people can move on to better things. And I don't think that any of the actors on this show have moved on to better things per the extent of our research. I mean, 
again, this is a show from 2016, so it's a little too early to tell. It's been eight years almost, though. I mean, the only one to come out of this show with a career so far is Scott Menville. I do have some ratings, not a lot. It's not good. As we mentioned earlier, Fox started the night with American Idol, and then you had Second Chance at 9 o'clock. And looking at the first week, the rating dropped by over half, the share dropped by half, and the number of viewers dropped by more than half. That's not good when the show after your big show loses half of its audience or over half of its audience. And that was on the premiere night. If I go to the second week, the numbers are even worse. When it comes to ratings, American Idol was at a 5.6 and Second Chance took it all the way down to 2.3. In terms of viewers, American Idol had 9.2 million. Second Chance had 3.7. That's atrocious. Again, you're losing more than half what the prior show had. That's ugly. And that's in week two. I don't even want to know how this turned out uh, for like its final episode. The final episode aired on March 25th, and it had 2.09 million viewers watched which was up from its previous week, but not enough to save the show. And taking a look at the second to last week, the 8 o'clock hour had Sleepy Hollow, and then you had Second Chance. This is amazingly bad when you don't have the American Idol lead-in. Sleepy Hollow had a rating of 1.8. Now, remember, we said in week two, American Idol had... What was it? It's like a 5.7 or so. So it had like over triple the numbers. Second chance for its second to last episode had a rating of 1.3. I mean, yeah, that's only a loss of like 35% of viewers in terms of rating points. But 1.3. Ugly. Obviously, people made it known that Second Chance doesn't deserve a second chance. It needed to be gone. People weren't watching it. As I mentioned earlier, it was depressingly awful. Okay, so I actually have the listing here from Deadline. Unfortunately, it counts encores and repeat airings. But of the 197 shows that Deadline has offered for the season... It placed 126th. That's not good. It's right below New Girl and right above Future Entry Grandfathered. And New Girl was like a big show for Fox at this time. Yeah, but it was cheaper to produce. Oh, that's it. And it probably got the adults 18 to 49 demo going for it. While Fox did release the show on DVD in 2018, it is on sale right now, but if you, like Best Buy, can't be bothered with cumbersome physical media, you can purchase the entire series for $10 on Prime Video, YouTube TV, or Apple TV+. Plus. Best $10 you'll ever spend. 
No, I was going to say, don't spend your money on that. Spend it on something more productive, like, let's say, a video game release that came out in the past couple of days. Take your pick. Super Mario Wonder or Jackbox Party Pack 10. Are we just going to do Spider-Man 2 like that? Since I don't have a PS5 and I have no interest in that series, I'm going to say where my money went. And yours too, because you got Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I did get Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and I did get Spider-Man 2. I'm waiting for the PS5 Slim to get it for Christmas. Then I can finally play Spider-Man 2. Nice. Hey, it's got a 4K UHD attachment, the PS5 Slim, I see. In 2016, Fox thought they had the next great science fiction crime procedural. But given the benefit of what we know now, all they had after American Idol was another thing on TV named Second Chance. And let's be honest, the 1987 Second Chance was much better than this. What if we were to combine the two? Oh, that'd be great. We could combine the 1987 Second Chance with the 2060 Second Chance. Oh, even better. We can incorporate the 1977 Second Chance into this somehow. So we could like work in a quiz show setting with like... So we have a quiz show setting and a guy is hosting it, but the producer is himself from... (laughs) From 25 years into the future, who is reanimated after he died. That is way too complicated. Whammy, help me out here. Why are you talking about my rat bastard father who left me for cigarettes back in 1977? (laughs) Oh, that's right. We could get the devil involved in it, too. Uh, The devil already had a shot. Remember uh, that show with that thing? Oh, that's right. We talked about that last week. It did not work then, did it? No. Actually, I was referring to a year at the top, but yeah, that works too. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can always go to our website at itwasathingontv.com where you can listen to the 420, (laughs) blaze it, episodes that preceded this episode. We've got all sorts of great bonuses, mini-sodes, live shows, extended versions, the whole works. And you know what? We are always working on other things for that website, like future entries, future mini-sodes, presents episodes, whatever the mood strikes us, that's where we go. And that's where you should go as well. Remember, we are on all social media at Instagram, Threads, Macedon. It was a thing on TV is the username you got to look for, except for Facebook, where we are at It Was a Thing on TV podcast. Remember, subscribe to the podcast wherever fine podcasts can be streamed, either at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Audible, you name it, we're there. And don't forget, we are also on YouTube where you can like and subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to smash our notification bell so you can be informed on all future uploads on the channel, including what we have Plans for you on Thursday. It was a football game unlike any other, except it happened on All Hallows' Eve, where the lines between fantasy and reality were surprisingly blurred. And we got a lot of 
big ass heads. And spoiler, hilarity ensues. But we'll talk more about that on the next installment of It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg and Mike, my name is Chico. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to one another, and we will see you for the next one. Wow! Hey, guys, you know what I think might have saved this TV show? What would that be? If after that 11th episode, they renamed it Boys Will Be Boys and brought it back. Bang.